0: When I was a teenager, uh, there was a song that became very popular, and you could hear my friends and even I would sing it at different times. The name of the song was Don't Worry, Be Happy. Uh, it It is catchy, and uh, I think it's a guy named Bob McFerrin who wrote the lyrics to the song. Uh, that was when MTV was really kind of finding its own, and you know, the video there had Chevy Chase, and uh, 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 Paul Simon, not Garfunkel, but just Simon. They were all in the, in the video on MTV. And, and anyway, it was just kind of a cultural moment. Don't worry, be happy. But I was reading the lyrics to that song. I want to kind of read uh, just a portion of them to you. It says, uh, ain't got a place to lay your head. Somebody came and took your bed. Don't worry, be happy. Another line says, Landlords say your rent is late. He may have to litigate. Don't worry, be happy. Well, as I thought about those lyrics and I thought about circumstances, in real life circumstances, what I realized is when you, you're homeless and penniless, you need more than just a sweet little saying says, don't worry, be happy. In Acts chapter 22, verse 30, all the way through chapter 23, we see the Apostle Paul is experiencing circumstances that need more than don't worry, be happy. Uh, He's facing plots and prison and persecution, and life has taken a great downturn for him. He needs more than don't worry, be happy. And yet, in Acts chapter twenty three verse eleven, we hear as Paul is in prison, he's just experienced persecution, he's faced a trial, somebody slapped him in the face uh, from the Sanhedrin, he's he's been disrespected, dishonored, and put in bondage in chains, and 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 yet the Lord comes to him in Acts twenty three verse eleven, and He says. Um, Uh, The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, get this, be of good cheer. For as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness for me at Rome. Be of good cheer. That sounds a lot like, don't worry, be happy. But as we look at the passage and we look at the context, as we look at the journey that Paul has been on, we realize that it's more than just, don't worry, be happy, be of good cheer, is a call from Jesus to Paul and to us to take joyful courage in the grace of God for your life and in mine, regardless the circumstances that we face. We can have joyful courage in the support and in the hope and in the purpose that Jesus has given us. It's bigger than don't worry, be happy. It's got depth and breadth to it that allows us the security that we need, the strength that we long to know, and the purpose that we desperately need to give us courage in the difficult moments of our life. I don't know what your difficult moments are, but as I shared earlier, I, I really believe that as a church and within the family of faith that we have, uh, there has been a heightened attack uh, on us. Now, again, you don't hear me talk about demons behind every door uh, jam. You don't, you don't hear me uh, uh, really talking too much about the power of the enemy or anything like that. But friends, I do know this. When the church Family is focused on fulfilling the calling that God has given her, the enemy, the devil, is going to be displeased, and he is going to throw the weight of all kinds of disadvantage toward us. A power outage, something we would have never imagined could have happened, did happen. Now, why? Well, certainly it could just be the normal circumstance of life, but when you look at how uh, sickness and death and uh, uh, difficulties are facing so many in our church family just this past week. I've got to say, I, there could be just this kind of spiritual attack on our church because we truly are, are, are devoted to praying together as a family of faith every Tuesday night at 630. Oh, we are devoted to sharing the faith, telling others who Jesus is, You have committed to share the gospel uh, with over 350 people. You've made that commitment. And when the church family is serious about fulfilling the calling that God has given us, make no mistake, there's going to be difficulty that comes our way, like it happened to Paul. But in the face of that, we need to hear Jesus say to us, be of good cheer. Now, in order to understand this, we need to catch up with Paul's context. As we've heard on Wednesday nights in the past uh, a few weeks and w- Sundays and Wednesdays, we've seen Paul as he leaves the Ephesian elders and goes and gathers with uh, the believers, the church leaders, James and the church leaders there in Jerusalem. And James and the church leaders encourage Paul to go and uh, to the temple in Jerusalem and and pay a vow along with some others who are paying their vows in the temple. And Paul agrees to do that very thing. He goes to the temple, and all of a sudden, uh, a mob is incited against him. And and uh, the Jewish people there are crying out one to another, and uh, they're, they're yelling, this is the guy who's defiling the temple. And, and in the midst of this riot in the Jerusalem temple... Um, Uh, Paul's life is threatened so that uh, the commander of the garrison there comes down with his people, the Roman garrison, and and they get Paul and they rescue him, but they put him in chains. And and Lysias, the commander of the garrison, he's trying to figure out exactly what has caused the disturbance. What he doesn't realize is that this is an attack on Paul that God will leverage uh, to lead Paul to tell more people who Jesus is, so Paul is in bonds, and and uh, and and now Lysias brings in chapter twenty three brings the, the Sanhedrin together, and he says, "I need for you to tell me what your charges are against this guy." And and so Paul speaks up, and he says, "Hey, listen, I'm a Pharisee. My, I'm the son of a Pharisee. I've I've been faithful." To God. He, he says in verse 3 that he has a clear conscience in all things before God, uh, even unto this day. He's saying, I have not offended God, and, and by implication, he hasn't offended uh, or defiled the temple. In, in response to that, in verse 4, Ananias, the high priest and the leader of the Sanhedrin, he nods for somebody to slap Paul. Paul responds, and I want you to hear Paul's response because Paul was a strong man, but it's, it's pretty powerful. Look at verse 5. Paul said to the high priest, uh, uh, he, he said, uh, uh, I'm sorry, verse 3, he says, uh, Paul said to the high priest, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall, for you sit to judge me according to the law, and do you command me to be struck contrary to the wall, uh, to the law? Paul was saying, hey, listen, You're the high priest, yet you have violated Leviticus chapter 19 by having me struck without charge. It's it's Paul saying, hey, listen, I've been clear in my conscience before God, but you're violating the very law of God. Well, it goes on and it tells the story of how Paul is uh, uh, defending himself. In verse 6, he says, I'm a Pharisee, son of a Pharisee. But then he notices with the Sanhedrin, he says, and like the Pharisees gathered in the Sanhedrin, I believe in the resurrection from the dead. He said, I have hope in the resurrection from the dead in verse six. And that led to a a conflict in the Sanhedrin. You see, Sanhedrin was made up of two parts. There were the Pharisees and then there were the Sadducees. The Pharisees believed in resurrection from the dead. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection from the dead. And so when Paul says, I'm being judged because I hold to the hope and the resurrection from the dead, it it led to great controversy. I remember when I was uh, sitting in my uh, PhD uh, defense. uh, When you get a PhD, you write a paper and then or write a dissertation, then you have to defend it. I was sitting in the defense of my dissertation and uh it's it's uh these scholars, and there were five of them in the room, and we were sitting there and they were asking me questions about my uh about my dissertation and There was one guy sitting at the table that was pretty constantly at odds with another guy sitting at the table and they asked me a question about my dissertation, but before I could answer. Uh, this guy got upset with that guy, and they started fighting about some minuscule doctrinal issue. Uh, And they took up so much of the time that by the time it was over, the the chair uh, of the theology department there, his name was Dr. Tommy Lee, he dismissed me for a season so that he could straighten out what was going on there in the defense of my dissertation. The same thing happens here with Paul. Lysias hears the controversy that's taken place uh, with, uh, with Paul and with the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And so finally he calls an adjournment uh, to the meeting. And he takes Paul in chains and he brings him uh, to his place, uh, where the garrison, where he's holding Paul. And that's when we hear in verse 11 uh, the Lord coming beside Paul and saying, be of good cheer. Um, and that be of good cheer was looking backward uh, to all that Paul had experienced, the the prison and the persecution that Paul had experienced up to that point. But it was also looking forward to the plots that we see in uh, chapter 23, verses 12 uh, through 35. There was a plot against Paul's life. Uh, even as Paul is being held prisoner, uh, there's a plot. There are 40 plus Jewish guys who made a vow that they will either neither eat nor drink until they kill the Apostle Paul. They go to the chief uh, high priest there of the Sanhedrin, Ananias, and they tell him, we've made this vow. And so there's a plot to take Paul out. Uh, and even in the midst of that plot, it was, again, leveraged by the sovereignty of God. That plot was for Lysias to find out about it and to plan for Paul to be taken from Jerusalem to Caesarea before the governor Felix. And so Paul is getting closer to Rome. He's getting to Caesarea, uh, where he'll answer the charges before Felix, and then Festus, and then Agrippa, and Bernice, and, and then finally he'll make his way to Rome. Well, as, as these plots and these persecution and even prison begin he, being heaped on the Apostle Paul, that one phrase, be of good cheer, have joyful courage in the grace that God will give you, rings out to you and to me today. And, and so I want us to try to figure out with the Apostle Paul how that we can uh, be of good cheer when bad things happen, when difficulties strike, when uh, cancer returns, when um, relationships are frayed, when you're facing... Uh, a, a difficulties that you can't really navigate, how can you be of good cheer? We need more than don't worry, be happy. Uh, We need the uh, support and the security and the purpose uh, that only God's grace can give us. So uh, when Paul heard from Jesus, be of good cheer, uh, he heard first, be of good cheer. You are part of God's family. That's the message to you. Can I tell you that uh, everything around me can fall to pieces, but if I can come home to Edie, I'm going to be okay. And broaden that out a little bit, even as I was uh, through every twist and turn of my life, uh, through the good times and bad, through the circumstances that I uh, caused that were carnage for me or circumstances that I didn't cause that were chaos for me, through every circumstance, I've always been able to pick up the phone or uh, drive to my dad and my mom and find support there. Being part of a faith-filled family does make a difference. That's where we find support. I want you to hear again what, God, what, what, what we read in verse 11. And in Acts chapter 23, verse 11 Again, listen to the words. But the following night, the Lord stood by Paul and said, Be of good cheer, for you testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. The Lord stood by him. Our good cheer isn't based upon our circumstances. I read from Philippians 4 just a few moments ago. Philippians 4, Paul said, I don't speak as, in, in regard to need, for I have learned whatever circumstance I face to be content. Philippians 4, 11. Now, Have you learned the secret of contentment in the face of bad circumstances? The secret sauce of contentment in the face of bad circumstances, the secret sauce of joyful courage in the face of bad circumstances... Is our relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ? You see, because we belong to God, just as Jesus stood by Paul because Paul was his, so also Jesus is standing by you and me, regardless of circumstance, and that's where joy is. The psalmist said, In your presence is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's where joy is. We can be of good cheer, not because our circumstances are great, not because even there's an upturn when we face a downturn in our circumstances. We can be of good cheer because we live in communion with Jesus. He is the good shepherd who walks with me through the mountaintop experiences and even in the deep dark valleys. We have good cheer because we walk hand in hand with Jesus. He is with us. He is for us. As the Apostle Paul would later write, he said, I'm convinced that there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that can separate us from the active love of our God and Father, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And neither height nor depth nor nor, uh, uh, width, not not principalities, not powers, not things present, not things to come, but through us all of those circumstances and even spiritual attacks we can have joyful courage because god is with us he is for us he's with you he is for you because you're part of his family and jesus came and he left the throne room of heaven he was born in a manger in a stable Fully God, yet fully man. He lived his life perfectly in the sight of God. He died for your sin and mine upon a cross. He was raised from the dead to give us new life. We, by faith, turned from our sin, trusted in him. And in that moment, we walked across that bridge, drawn by God's grace into his family you and I are no longer strangers from the covenant of promise. You and I are no longer hopeless in the, this world. We are sons and daughters adopted in the family of God, and God takes ownership for you. He takes ownership for you in the good and in the bad and the, in the delight and in the uh, disastrous. He, he takes ownership for you, and he is for you. So today, be of good cheer. Your part of God's family. The second thing we see here in this passage is not only should we be of good cheer because we belong to God's family and we find support there, but we can be of good cheer because you have hope even in the darkest of night. This is where our security is. Paul was in the deep dark night of circumstance. He really was. And and it, Paul felt it. I mean, the reason the Lord came and stood by Paul was because Paul was certainly filled with anxiousness or fear or distress or sadness. He was in prison. And and all he was doing was trying to do exactly what God wanted him to do. But he was being persecuted and imprisoned. And there were plots against his life because of it. Have you ever felt that way? That you're just trying to do what God wants you to do and bad things keep on happening. Can I tell you that The good news we have in this passage is even when the bad things keep on happening, we can have hope, we can find security. All of us long to have a a security uh, and a strength that chases away the fears and the terror-filled nights. We all long to experience security and hope. We get a hint of the note of hope for the Apostle Paul, and it's not just here in verse 6 of chapter 23, but also Uh, It's throughout Paul's defenses. When he stands before Felix, he talks about his hope. When he stands before Festus and Bernice, he talks about his hope. Uh, In chapter 28, at the end of the uh, book of Acts, he talks about his hope. And that hope is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Look at verse 6. When Paul perceived that one part of of the Sanhedrin were Sadducees, the others were Pharisees, he cried out in the council, men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, concerning the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am being judged. Now he mentions the resurrection uh, almost every single time he gives his defense before those who are accusing him. He'll be accused here in a few moments. With uh, in in, uh, in in the next chapter, before Felix, uh, he'll be accused again uh, before Festus. And in answer to the charges brought against him, he mentions the resurrection. Now, why does he mention the resurrection? He mentions the resurrection because it is the resurrection that gives him a hope that will never die. We hear this same note of hope in. First uh, Peter chapter one verses three through six. I I, I know this is familiar to you. We've uh, uh, I I love this passage and it's a great Easter passage, but it's also a great everyday passage. Listen to what Peter writes. Now Peter's writing to a group of people. He calls them di- the diaspora, the believers in all parts of the uh, of the Roman Empire who are being persecuted because of their faith, because they're followers of Jesus. They're being persecuted in very real ways. And so Peter is writing to them. Now listen to what he writes. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you you who are kept by the power of God through faith towards salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. Oh my goodness, that's uh, almost as if Paul could have written it, or certainly what he was referring to, what Paul was referring to when he said, I have hope in the resurrection. I have hope because of the resurrection. I have security because of the resurrection. Look, the world's going to throw all thing, all kinds of things uh, our way. Bad things, tough things, troubling things. And we're going to face difficult days and hard times because we Follow after Jesus, just like the Apostle Paul. Jesus promised us that in the world we will have trouble, John 16. But then he adds, in the world you'll have trouble. Then Jesus adds, but be of good cheer. Take courage. Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Whatever the world throws our way, whatever the enemy uses to attack us in the face of, of, of us seeking to fulfill our calling and be a witness for Jesus and tell others who he is. No, no matter what the world might throw our way, we can have joyful courage because we're hand-in-hand hand with the victor. We're hand-in-hand hand with Jesus who took on death itself and was raised from the dead, and His resurrection power informs our way of life. We have security regardless what the world may throw at us. Oh, brother and sister in Christ, please take hope in the security that you have in Jesus so often we, well, we scream and we yell and we cry and we mourn and often rightly so at, at the injustices or the pain or the sorrow or the grief that we experience as followers of Christ. And we got it good in America compared to what people have it in other parts of the world. But as followers of Jesus, we can't stick in the depressing moments of despair, but rather we need to quickly run not only to the cross that has brought us into God's family, but we need to run to the empty tomb that gives us security as a member of God's family. We have a living hope. We have a powerful protection. We have a certain future in the presence of God. The apostle Paul had a living hope, and it informed him. It gave him security as he face the difficulties of plots and prisons and persecution. And in the same way, you and I can be of good cheer because we have hope even in the darkest of nights. We have hope in the darkest of nights. We, we can be of good cheer. We can be of good cheer because we belong to God's family. And finally, we can be of good cheer because we're fulfilling God's calling, purpose. We're fulfilling God's calling see this is really the hallmark of who the Apostle Paul was and who we see him to be throughout the book of Acts and in his letters the Apostle Paul was committed to fulfill the must of his life those must moments that he experienced in Acts chapter 9 there was a must moment where Jesus said you must uh, bear witness to me, Jesus said, uh, before rulers of Israel and the Gentiles. You must. You must see Rome, not just Jerusalem, chapter 19. You must see Jerusalem, but also you must see Rome. Here in chapter 23, there's another must moment, and it's a repetition of what uh, what Paul knew God's plan was and. In Acts chapter 19. Look again in verse 11. Be of good cheer, Paul, the Lord said, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you, what's that word? Must. So you must also bear witness at Rome. Like a master builder, God orchestrates our lives, even the parts that are painful, so that we can fulfill his calling. And the calling For our church and for you and me as part of this family called First Norfolk, the calling is to tell others who Jesus is. In the streets, on the thoroughfares, before judges and kings and rulers, our calling is to tell others who Jesus is and how they, whoever we're talking to, might experience life through faith in Jesus. It goes back to Acts 1-8. Our calling as a church is to tell others who Jesus is. You'll receive power, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be witnesses for me in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And friends, when we are fulfilling God's calling, we are living in the purpose that he's given us. And when we live in the purpose that he's given us, we can survive the pain that we face. When we live in the purpose that he's given us, we can joyfully, courageously face the pain that comes our way. Uh, the Olympics are just always uh, one of those things that I love to watch, especially uh, when those that I'm cheering for get the gold or the silver or the bronze or compete very well and and, and, and press forward. Uh, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not an Olympic athlete, but I did run when I was in Uh, junior high and high school I I ran track and one of the things I know and I ran long distance and uh, the 800 meter and the 1600 meter And and I can tell you that's a gut race both of those are gut races and 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 when you race in those races when you run those races you've got to train and train and train and you've got to you can't have a day off you you're training every day this high school and junior high As an Olympic athlete, can you imagine how they buffet their body, how they discipline themselves, how they press forward, and they go through tremendous amounts of pain because they have a purpose. That purpose is to achieve the prize, to finish the race well. Friends, you and I are on this race. As followers of Christ, our church is on a mission to fulfill the calling that God has given us, and we must press through the pain To fulfill the purpose, we must press through the pain to gain the prize. My prayer for us is that we would be of good cheer because we are fulfilling the calling that God has given us. Not compromising, not backing up, not shrinking away, but pressing forward even through the pain because we have this grand purpose of bringing God glory and telling others who Jesus is. Be of good cheer. Have joyful courage that God by His grace gives you. And let's press forward together and tell others who Jesus is. May God bless you and keep you. May he make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May He bless your coming in and your going out. And may He fill your life with support, with security, and with his purpose. God bless you, and good morning.